This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, guys, and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along the Way. The podcast, as always, is supported by our friends at the Stoke City fans from all around the world Facebook group. And another action-packed show again this week. We're going to have a brief chat about our loss versus Blackburn. We'll look ahead to the trip to QPR. And as always, we'll give you a roundup of the news from around the club this week. And of course, get those pens ready. This week's quiz in this subject is Peter Thorne. Okay then, Dan. So uh, welcome back to the pod, mate. These weeks seem to uh, come around very, very often. Uh, how's things been your side, mate? Okay? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Obviously not a great week on the uh, Stoke front, was it? But yeah, I'm, I'm all good, thank you. Good, good. Um, and uh, just for anyone who didn't know, about a week or so ago, we put a post out asking if anybody kind of, you know, wanted to kind of get involved in the pod, uh, you know, just kind of give a few comments and and have a bit of a general chat about Stoke. Um, and one particular person uh, got in touch. So, uh, Andy Blinston, welcome to the pod, mate. Hello there, mate. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, again, I know we haven't, I mean, me and you have both, both kind of spoken briefly, Andy, but um, just for anyone who's kind of tuning in, um, just tell us a bit about yourself, if that's all right, mate. You know, how long have well, you been a Stoke fan? Any highlights, etc.? Well, I've been a Stoke fan pretty much for as long as I can really remember. I think my first game was when, I think it was Maynard Figueroa scored that free kick from the halfway line around 2009. Oh, wow, so yeah. So that, that's probably one of my worst season moments. The other one, probably Crystal Palace when we got relegated. And yeah. highlights from this season, going to my first away game at Luton was a pretty big highlight for me. And nice choice. In general, just a highlight in overall is that 3-2 winning against Sheffield Wednesday on Boxing Day. But if I've got to put down favourite players, there's three main which come to mind, which are Tyrese Campbell, Josh Tymon, and Nick Powell. And okay. you've got to add Ostergaard into there because I like him as a player and my mate's a Brighton fan who actually said we should sign him on loan. Oh, right, so we've got your friend to thank for that then, have we? Yeah, yeah. He came to the okay. Bristol, he came along to the Bristol game to me and he said that was the player we wanted to watch. So ah, interesting. Okay. Well, hopefully you can convert him, mate, and you know, show him the you know how good things are to be a Stoke fan with a bit of a look. Um but yeah, no, th- <laughs> no, thank you, mate, and thanks obviously for for getting involved. As I said, we you know we always like to to hear from everyone really who kind of joins the pod. It's it's you know, it's it's always good to hear me and Dan ramble on and 
Uh, people are very much used to that, but it's nice to see a, a couple of new faces. So, um, yeah, so just before we kind of get into the, the kind of meat and veg of the, of the actual pod, so uh, we put out a couple of things, like I said, over the last week or two, but um, Dan, Andrew, so as I said earlier, I can't believe it's December. Uh, I was looking through my Facebook memories earlier on, and there was different Stoke games been open various things and this year has gone by so blinking quick um and i mean me and dan have been speaking about christmas and uh we're actually going to be doing a, a special pod uh, in, in a few weeks time so we're basically going to be sorting out a mini venue if dan pulls his finger out um and uh, sorry dan uh, and uh yeah so there's going to be a few of us uh, involved so i think it's going to be myself uh dan Liam, who you would have heard on an earlier pod, who basically wrote the Twin with Reykjavik book, uh, Ben from the YYY Files, and we might be meeting up uh, for a couple of other things, uh, with a couple of other people rather, um, as well. So uh, yeah, that's going to be on week commencing the 19th, so um, it will be probably quite local around Stoke, so what we will probably do is just put a post out, so if anyone wants to kind of join us in the pub or whatever it may be, then obviously anyone's really welcome. Uh, but Dan, um, just very quickly, mate. So if anyone's been involved in our Twitter page, uh, we would have seen throughout the entire week that we've been running multiple polls. So um, would you want to just give everyone a bit of an overview in terms of what this 21st century poll's all about, how they can get involved, etc. if that's OK? Yeah, before I do that, just rewind mm. in a couple of minutes here uh, to Andy there. So when you went to Luton, uh, your first away game. Did you did you make sure you went through the right person's house to get into the, the away end? I, I was pretty sure, so I think I went through door two rather than door three, but I still managed <laughs> to make it to the correct correct seat. I think I might have seen, you know, Steve in the in his bathroom, you know, having a shower through the back window. <laughs> but other than that, it was pretty all right. <laughs> and he's like, right, yeah, which which, which door do we open here? You know, which, this, oh, no, that's someone's living room. Yeah. <laughs> It is crazy, isn't it? I mean, I've not, I've not actually been, but I've seen the pictures, and it, it's. I mean, that that stand, and in fact, the whole stadium would have to be knocked down. There is no way of expanding that stadium, is there? No, no, no. Oh, they might be able to build some way, but that that away end definitely. Yeah, unless you get people going to lose their gardens. Yeah, there's no way. Um, no, but yeah, get, getting onto the getting onto the polls. Sorry, yeah, the question you asked. Um, basically, we are. Uh, putting together our team of the well, your team really, uh, the, obviously the listeners' team uh, of the 21st century. Um, so what we've done so far, we've got the formation set. Uh, we've picked the, the good old 4-4-2 formation, um, and we've got a goalkeeper set. Now, what we're going to do is, as best we can, we're going to sort of hide the participants, you know, the winners um, of this team, and then it's all going to be sort of unveiled on this on our Christmas podcast. Um, yeah, so obviously, like, yeah, so the goalkeeper's already been selected. The right backs went up tonight. So we're the 16 right backs split into four groups of four, top two in each poll after a day. The next day will be the next round, and then the day after will be the final. Then we'll move on to left backs, centre halves, right wingers, left wingers, and so on until we hopefully should have a team um, sorted just before uh, we record our Christmas pod. Nice, lovely. I must admit, I mean, obviously, me and you know the results of the final for the goalkeepers, um, mm. and it was close. That's all we'll say. It was very, very close. Um, yeah, I think the, the top two were who you would expect to be the top two, I would imagine. In fact, I'd say the top four, the final four, were the right final four in my eyes. And, yeah, um, 
like I say, the top two, it was close. And I think, yeah, a lot of people obviously went one way. A lot of people went the other. So it's just, yeah, one sneaked it. One, one man sneaked over another. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that, mate. It was the, it was the choice that I selected. So, um, But actually, there's one comment, and you probably have seen this already, but I really, really like this comment. So there was a comment from uh, Who Will Buy My Bread, which is obviously a great name for a Twitter handle. So uh, thank you for that. So, uh, yeah, obviously, in terms of the goalkeeper choices, so um, this might give you a hint in terms of, you know, some of the selections that we had through the qualifiers. But uh, what a difficult choice. Tommy was iconic and integral to a stain in the Premier League. Asmir, in my opinion, is the best keeper of them all consistently. Jack had a single greatest season I've seen as a goalkeeper uh, in 2016. And Mark Crosley saved us from going down. So, um, yeah, it, very, very good comments. And again, that's only a small selection. But um, when, when I think about the goalkeepers we've had, it's pretty insane how good we've had it um, compared to a lot yeah. of clubs. So, yeah, uh, I think... Yeah. Um... Yeah, we, we've like I say, we've always had good goalkeepers, haven't we? And I think to, to think that three of those were at the club at the same time as well is pretty impressive. Yeah, because uh, I'll tell you, I'd take all three of them now. I mean, we haven't got that bad a selection when they're all fit, but um, yeah, um, it should be interesting. But yeah, as I say, we'll we'll announce that on the December pod later on this month. Um, so I just want to try and get into the obviously the game now. Unfortunately, we played Blackburn, and well. I won't. I'll, I'll tell you. What, I'll leave my thoughts to last for a change. Um, Andy, uh, seeing as we've got you on the pod, mate, what was your general thoughts to Blackburn? I mean, any particular highlights from yourself you want to call out? Particular highlights. The only thing I can really think of that I saw was when Romain Sawyer's had a shot from about twenty yards out. <laughs> that, wow. That's that, uh, and I probably think the, full time the only thing I can think of is the reason he got his man in the match. Because <laughs> none of them deserved it, really. Um, no. Passing was... You had about a minute of good passing like we normally do and then give it away. Um, wing-backs, yet again, weren't being used. Okay. They weren't... They weren't I, I think, as much as I like Tommy Smith, he wasn't really making the runs like he did at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Tymon didn't perform to the same level, I don't think. He did play in centre-mid, which is not his natural position. Yeah. But you can when he, for that. Yeah, I can forgive him for that. But when he went back to wing back, when he made the subs, he performed a lot better. And just in general, I'm not the biggest fan of Chester after seeing him play for the past few games. And I don't think you're alone in that. <laughs> yeah, again, he just didn't perform well. I thought Tyrese Campbell, as good as he played after about 60 minutes, he was he's not fully match fit. And you could tell with how he played. He played well for the beginning, and then about 60 minutes in, like I've said, just sort of dropped off. But yeah, it's a bit expected again, though, isn't it? It's going to take yeah. a few weeks for him to get up to speed, and I think exactly. I think a lot of the fans are, are happy to to you know to give him the time. I mean, you know, Tyrese Campbell didn't lose us that game. Let's be honest, you know, no. it's, the whole lot of them were, were lacking. But um, Dan, I, I mean, I'm sure you probably agree with a lot of that. I expect. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It wasn't a great game, was it? Um, I think, I mean, they've, they've come in for a lot of stick for the performance, haven't they? And I think the majority of the stick has probably stemmed from like what's perceived as a lack of um, effort more than anything. Like people thinking that they weren't, you know, weren't putting a shift in. But I think Blackburn weren't very good. Stoke weren't very good. The game had nil-nil written all over it because the conditions were awful during the wind, the rain, the snow. I mean, how many... Not the snow, but the wind and the rain 
I mean, how many people have you seen who've said it was the coldest they've ever been at a match? And I mean, I know that might be because we've had a couple of years where we've not really been to these, you know, the, the, down to the back 365 when it's been um, as cold as it was at the weekend. But, you know, a lot of people saying that, well, obviously that's going to come across on the pitch as well because it gets, you know, it's free, it is freezing, it's Baltic at that, you know, that place, isn't it? And, oh, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I just think that maybe a little bit more. If Ben Wilmot's clearance there or pass doesn't ricochet off the you know, Blackburn player straight to the guy who then runs through and puts it in the net, that game ends nil nil, doesn't it? Because neither yeah. team could get it, neither team could get a grip on the conditions. They were that bad. It was that all, you know. It was that bad. It affected the play. I don't. I think maybe we probably could have, you know, adapted to them slightly better. We should be used to them a bit more because, um, like I say, we obviously it's it's nothing new, is it, to that ground? Um, but no, it's yeah, cold in the summer. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it was the wind. I mean, what you could it was the amount of litter. For example, that you could see just swirling around the pitch, it showed you how windy it was. It was just picking it up at the stands and and just bringing it all onto the pitch, and you could see it all like swirling around circles and that. So you, that that showed you how difficult it must be. But obviously, in that case, if that's the case, sort of adapt how you play a little bit, don't you? But I yeah. think um, I think we would have been a lot better had we had. You know, obviously, we've got a spine of a team missing at the minute, haven't we? In like Powell, Suter. And basic, and I think them three, three players who can put the foot on the ball, who can play it around. It's you know, it's like I think if those three were there, we'd have been able to counteract the conditions a lot better than we could with Davis, Bart, and obviously that time, and as he was filling in the midfield. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. And I think it sounds like we're all on the same kind of playing field here. I think would you both kind of agree that you know that's probably our worst performance of the season? Is that a fair? comment fair i'd say i agree with it um yeah i will add on to what you say about the conditions i remember when the black blackburn goalkeeper had to get subbed off because as much as he stretched to make a save in normal conditions i don't think he would have been subbed off it's probably a stretch which has probably pulled a muscle in cold conditions it's happened to me when i've done goalkeeping myself but with lack of midfield as well, putting Ben Wilmot in centre mid for the last 15 or so minutes. It's a bit of a decision I didn't really understand. I know he's, he's played there though, hasn't he, I think, for, for Watford at times. Um, and I think they were probably just trying it out just to kind of see, you know, if, if that was going to work out. I think maybe that's what he was kind of thinking about because let's be honest, I mean, we'll, we'll go on to it later, but, you know, there's, there's very few options in midfield. So I can only imagine that that was his thinking uh, kind of behind that. And, um, you know, fair enough. You know, I'd rather him try that and and it fail than just do nothing. Um, quite frankly, and that's yeah. what a lot of a lot of you know supporters try and hit you know O'Neill over the head with at times is that you know he's too slow to make decisions or he doesn't make this decision, doesn't make that. Well, at least he's tried it. So yeah, but like I say again, worst performance of the season. I thought we we lacked structure, we lacked kind of chance creation. Uh, they were bang average all over the pitch. And um, obviously, uh, a couple of key kind of call-outs here. Um, James Chester remains Sawyer's. Now, we all are fully aware about the boos, the jeers, and everything that they had. Now, I did run a poll, which I'm going to hold off on for a couple of minutes while you guys give your thoughts. But um, what do you both think? I mean, do you think, Dan, that um, the boos and jeers are justified? Do you see there's much value in in that at all, do you just think it's a bit of overreaction from your side, Dan? 
I, it's not something I do, not to my own team anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't understand where people say, you know, like, well, they say, oh, it's freedom of speech. I can do what I want. I pay my money. I understand that. I understand that people may want to vent the frustrations and that. Um, but I, I just, I just don't see well how it improves anything. How do, you know? Are they expect? Does, do people do it and expect the players to, you know, to, to improve their morale by having that? To me, it's it's, it's only going to make things worse. It's only going to annoy. It's either going to annoy the players and the management, or it's going to, it's going to you know make them even the morale drop even lower and make them you know hit the floor with it. So I don't yep. see how it's it's very few players I would imagine are going to go with the attitude of, oh, I'm being booed, right, I'll, I'll really show them now that... Because, let's face it, I mean, as, as much as we get get caught up in the emotion of it at the time, I don't think there's many footballers, if any, that go out there and don't give 100%. I think you can probably... There's probably Tom Ince. You don't think Tom Ince... You don't think Tom tries 100%? No. You don't think he, he feels like he... Maybe feels himself that he couldn't give any more. He just does it in a different way. Maybe. I'd love to see what this other way is, mate. Other than not looking <laughs> like he's asked. Uh, I mean, again, I'm sure. Again, he's going to turn around and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I, I try every week, etc." And you know, in fairness to him, this season he's not really had much chance to show it. So I'm not really calling on this season. I'm thinking previous yeah. seasons. Now, now, I think there was a game away from home, and I, I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of the stats where in the entire match, I think he'd had one completed pass. I can't remember which one it was, mate, but yeah. no professional footballer in any league, not the championship, any league, should have one completed pass, especially in midfield. So that ain't trying 100% in any way, shape or form. So that's the type of thing where, I don't know, Maybe he doesn't care anymore. I really, I really don't know. Maybe he does, and he's just not getting a chance. I'm, I'm just using him as an example because that's what sticks in my head, uh, and that's why for me, I can, I can say he doesn't try at all. Yeah, I, I think over the past few years, we probably have had some of these players that probably actually don't give one hundred percent. And I, if there is, if there are the ones that are out there, I think we've probably had more than our fair share, like in the last three or four years. But I do think that the club has got rid of. Got rid of them, like I say. Maybe, maybe Tom Ince is the last remaining one. Um, but so to have a group now that are young and finding the feet still, you know, in in terms, of, you know, they're encountering new hurdles all the time yeah. and f- got to find ways around them and how to, you know, g- g- maneuver around these these new um, hurdles that they that they come up against. Yeah, and what they probably don't need is people booing them no 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 it's a fair point and like i say i i do think all of them are trying they you know I, I do think most of them are good enough as well and i think it is we've said about in previous weeks mate that there's a lack of continuity because of the injuries and that's going to have an impact on any squad and uh i mean andy you know what what's your thoughts on the whole booing thing do you do it do you condone it or do you understand or i don't agree with it but i can understand it what i believe Fans as a whole, I'm not just saying Stoke fans, they pick up on the little things and the little mistakes that they make rather than seeing the whole picture. Like with Romain Sawyer's getting booed man in the match, 
Yeah, didn't have the best performance, but he's probably one of the only players I can think who did something throughout the game. Yeah, he might not have done the best at closing down, but that's his play style. He's a relaxed footballer. He he puts in 100% with his passing ability, as any player does, can make a mistake, but he's played probably some of the best passes I've seen all season. I'll come back to what you said about Tom Ince. As much as I've seen him not perform as he's been at Stoke mainly, when I've seen him come on, off the bench, I've seen him give 100%. Good. Well, if he's had to choose right now, I mean, like I say, mate, I mean, I haven't been able to go every single game this season. So uh, if you're seeing him 100%, then brilliant. Maybe he's going to get his head screwed back on. Um, but, you know, again, I can't can't argue with you, mate. I th- I'm going to totally agree with, with both of you guys. Um, I understand it, but I'll, ne- I'll never boo a Stoke player. Um, I, I remember, and like Dan said, I mean, I remember the times when Joe Allen was going through a phase and cupping his ears to the fans, and Klukas did the same thing. And you know, it it made for a toxic club, and I don't want to go down that route again. Um, and to be honest, I mean, again, the poll results. So again, we split this between Twitter and Facebook. Um, so uh, Twitter, in terms of, we asked everyone, you know, are they justified? Um, and uh, you basically said uh, yes for twenty five percent of you. Forty five percent said no. And interestingly, 30% were on the fence. I thought that was quite an interesting uh, split. Um, and then Facebook, uh, very similar in a way, but some very big contrast here. So uh, 33% said yes, so pretty even with the other one. Uh, 63% of you said no, and then 3% of you were unsure. So the majority of the people on Facebook are completely against it. Um, so yeah, some some interesting kind of um, kind of stats. Now, uh, is there it's any interesting what that? you've... So Sorry, it's interesting what you've said there about Klukas and Alan. Alan cupping his ears and Klukas do this, something similar to the fans. Now, I, I'm i going to be putting that couple of ideas there. I'm sure that when the fans were booing at that point in time, they weren't booing Joe Allen and Sam Klukas. They were booing other members of the team. And that shows that when you, even though you might be directing it at someone the team as a collective will take it on their shoulders and be like, you're booing us as one. Yeah. And that's where the message then, because then you, then you're going to be upsetting and annoying people. You do, you're not really directing it towards. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough, mate. And you, you, I suppose you want that um, solidarity, don't you? Within the team. So uh, yeah, again, I think we understand it. I think the majority of us understand that it's, it's you know, we don't feel it's right, but again, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And and boy, did we get some opinions in the comments. Um, now there's a lot of them. I'm not going to read them all out, but there's definitely some I want to kind of highlight. And feel free if you want to jump in with any comments. By the way, so um, okay, so Jugbank Stokey. Uh, so I just wonder how how people think booing is going to help the team get back to winning ways. Do we want to try and make the playoffs or not? Neither performance was that bad that they deserved that treatment. Uh, but people pay good money to sit in the cold. I didn't, I stayed at home in the warm. So they're entitled to vent their frustration. Uh, the EFL Fantasy Podcast, uh, absolutely not. It was embarrassing when they jeered uh, Chester off. The criticism of Soyuz is a shambles. Yes, it's frustrating, but when he gives the ball away, there's a lot of positive things he does, which goes unnoticed. Similar to what you said, actually, there, Andy. Uh, and don't see how the fans um, are helping at all. Uh, Rob Wolford uh, says we don't boo the first bad game they have. We boo for continuous poor performances and lack of effort from the same players week after week. They can't be wrapped in cotton wool. They should know that people won't stand for it. 
A uh, couple more. So, uh, Nick Jones, if you don't perform on your job, you get a stern telling off or worse. So why is it different for pampered footballers? Uh, it's a way of letting them know that their performance isn't good enough. Uh, people say they boo because they paid to watch. I bet they're shouting disgusting personal stuff too. That was from John Holmes. And finally, uh, Judith Lloyd. No, there's no way it can help the players. It must be awful to hear. Players are human. They need to feel confidence to perform. So a bit of a, um, a bit of a variety. I think the, the general theme, however, I think is it doesn't help the players. I think that is the general theme quite clearly there. Uh, but yeah, still seem, uh, seem good to, to get all those comments. And like I said, they are probably a couple. There's about 10 or 15 more I haven't read out. So yeah, um, that probably does it for, for the Blackburn game uh, overall. So I think, again, let's hopefully just try and move on from that one. I think we'd all agree that we don't really want to remember that one again. Now, um, obviously, the part of the pad we always like to do is obviously the Stoke City news. Uh, there actually wasn't all that much news uh, this week, to be honest with you. But um, there was one particular uh, signing that we made. I think Joe's obviously going to be out for three to four months, isn't he? Uh, so that obviously leaves us with Davis and, and Bonham. So it seems to be that Frank Fielding is going to be one of them kind of fringe third choice goalkeepers. I mean, he's 33 years old. He's played for about 300 clubs. Uh, you know, Bristol City's probably most of his um, actual career. But, you know, he's he's played for Derby, he's played for Wickham, uh, Statron of others. Uh, I mean, I've, I must admit, I've never seen the guy, like most Stoke fans, but I think the first thought that comes to my mind is, you know, if he was any good, he would have had a club already. So are we literally just scraping the barrel to make sure that we're not really caught short if, again, we have another string of injuries? Or is this literally just a... I mean, is this just evidence that maybe our under-23s haven't quite got a, a backup goalkeeper to be a number three? I mean, what what's your thoughts on that? Do you think it's just a decent signing just as a backup? Myself, I've not really heard much of him. Like you said, he's a bit of a journeyman, mostly been out on loan to a lot of clubs. But it's similar to when we had Andy Lonergan come in and Nicky Manaper, I think it is, from what he used to play for Reading. We brought them in last season or the season before when we had injuries to goalkeepers yet again. It's one of those where if it comes to it, you need to get a backup. And I think you mentioned it last week about um, Blondie not managing to even get onto the bench really at Crawley. It comes up to the point of, is it really that our 21s and 23s aren't really at the level that we should want or even expect really? Yeah. Um, obviously, he's got experience. It could potentially help Bursic when he gets back with his experience in helping him improve in his ability. But I think it's just a safe option being that if, for example, Bondman or Davies does get injured, we've got someone to fill that spot on the bench or even that starting 11 spot. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. And, and I mean, Dan, do you ever even think we'll see him play for Stoke, mate? Because it's a short-term deal, isn't it? But I actually haven't looked even at the, the mass detail. Is it literally till the end of the season? Or have I imagined that? Uh, yeah, it's just a short-term deal, isn't it? So I don't even think it's... I don't know, that long, to be honest. I've just seen... Um, I mean, he, he, he started out at Blackburn. He's in England under-21 international, I think. I remember... I remembered him when he was younger playing for the England team, like the England under 21s. Um, but I didn't realise he never actually played for Blackburn. <laughs> um, right. He was just sent on loan here, there, and everywhere. And ended up going on loan to Derby. I think he went Wickham, Rochdale, ended up at Derby. 
and then he signed for Derby full time, and then from there he's ended up at Bristol City. Um, but he's had the last couple of seasons. You know, he's had the last season at Millwall, but he only played the once for them. So he's not as if he's sort of played much, like I say, lately. You know, he had five games for Bristol City the year before. So, like I say, last what two and a half seasons, he's only played six matches. Oof. So yeah, so it's not ideal. But like I say, as as a youngster, he was quite you know, he was quite um, highly regarded and that. So it must be there must be something in there. But what I have noticed from just doing a bit of research on today is he's he's not even six foot tall. He's only five eleven, which is quite short for a keeper these days, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Um... I think it says I must admit, mate, he mustn't be on much money if he's come here. Um to be no, at, number, he, at number three. Yeah, I think he's probably just coming. I mean, he's thirty three as well. You you don't know. I mean, he's been out of the game for six months. He's probably just happy just to get his name mentioned about him. even if he just even if he's you know, he, he, when Joe comes back in another club might need a keeper and he must Stoke will say, Yeah, cheers, yeah, cheers, Frank, thanks for covering. Joe's back. You've got another. You've got yourself sorted out with something else. You you know go go play there, at, you know in League One, League Two or something. Um, but obviously, if he doesn't, so that might be where it is. Similar to where you see managers taking like punditry roles or taking coaching roles with other clubs just to get the name mentioned around. You know that that might be you know his way back of just keeping his feet in the game, like and you never know. He says, well, he might be doing a bit of coaching while he's here as well. He's probably at that stage of his career now. He's probably looking towards that. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's one of them. It's like if it's like Katie Price. If you're not in the media, you're not relevant, are you? So I, <laughs> I think I think it's the same type of principle, isn't it? Really. Um, I but think no. you're the first person ever to put Frank Field in Katie Price. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comparison. Must admit, she, she's almost got as many appearances for for you know, for professional football clubs as in by the sounds of it, mate. So, um, but yeah, anyway, so it's not again. We'll, we'll just accept it. We'll never even put C in play. I don't think by the sounds of it. But hopefully that's a good thing because it means you know that our backups are good enough. Uh, but on a more positive note, uh, a certain player um, popped up in kind of uh, my research this week. So um, a certain uh, Scott Twine. Now, I'm not sure if anyone has really kind of heard of him uh, or not, but uh, basically it seems that Stoke are keeping tabs on him anyway. Uh, he plays for MK Dons, sits in that kind of attacking midfielder position. Um, and if you like, he's, he's kind of favoured as like a another maybe potential backup to Nick Powell when he's unavailable. Um, so just a bit of a background on him. He kind of burst onto the scene at Swindon uh, in League One. I think he was only 21 years old. Um, dropped down on kind of, I think, loan to Newport and, um, and then managed kind of like 12 goal contributions in just 19 games. Um, and then obviously they went into the playoffs and he's given another chance now uh, at MK Dons and he's already uh, kind of, you know, really making a name for himself. He's, you know, he's kind of bettered his total from the last campaign, uh, nine goals and six assists in 19 games. Um, so yeah, it's it's looking potentially promising. Now I'm not sure how much it's going to take to prize him away from MK Dons, um, but you know, again, you know, nine goals and six assists in 19 games in any league is brilliant return. So um, I don't know. Have either of you guys uh, heard of heard of him at all? I haven't really heard of him. No, um, but I think he only joined he only joined MK Dons in the summer as well. I didn't see him in Swindon. Uh, he ended up leaving Swindon on a free. I suppose they were um, they were relegated, I believe, to League Two, weren't they? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think they're having a good time. Yeah, I think financial they had to let him go. They 
I don't think they could have afforded to renew his contracts, if I remember rightly. But um, but yeah, so I mean, it's, it sounds, I mean, it's pro- promising stats. I mean, that's one area, wouldn't you say, Andy, that we've we've kind of really struggled. I mean, we've seen when Nick Powell's out injured, there's no one else that can really slot into that kind of attacking midfield position, is there? No, not really. I remember, I think it was last season when he also picked up a bit of a knock. It was similar time to this season. And then obviously Campbell got injured as well. We just fell down the table when we don't, when we're relying on a specific number of players, our form slumps. The only player I can really think who can replace him in that position is Mario Vrancic, but then you need to find a centre mid to replace his slot. So <laughs> it's it's the problem with a short amount of like a squad size, but he's he seems decent. I'm reading up on his stats and in League One this season, he's got 46% of MK Don's goal participation. He's played 98 minutes and started every game. Wow, okay. And only picked up one yellow card. And if you look at Powell... Oh, he's, he's not good for us up. then, mate. Nah, he mate. needs to have at least six <laughs> or seven. Can't be I, having that. I think Powell in the nine games he's played, he's only picked up one. So that's that's interesting for me, to be fair. I thought he picked up maybe two or three. But mm. Okay, so maybe it's a potential. I mean, again, I guess it depends. I mean, MK don't... Think... They can't be wanting too much money, but if he's if he's as good as he's sounding, it could very well be that, you know, m- maybe it's going to cost us a bit of money that we probably just quite haven't got at the minute. So uh, one to keep an eye on um, anyway. I mean, I know we've been linked with that guy from uh, Spurs, haven't we? Uh, the, the kind of un- under 23s uh, striker of theirs. And Yeah, uh, I've think, seen that. Yeah, it's, it's always Bournemouth. Um, I see Forrest. The Forrest are always yeah, in Forrest for and I think Derby are also after him. But oh, a quick yeah. fact about Scott Twine, if you've ever been on Transfermarkt, which is like where you get the stats for everyone, he doesn't have a market value whatsoever. Scott Twine doesn't. Oh, great. That means you can sign for free. Sounds good to me. Yeah, every transfer he's had, it's been a free transfer end of loan. So he doesn't have a specific market value as of yet. But MK okay. Dons, with the stats he's got, probably will price him, I'd say, a couple of million at least. Especially if a championship club come calling. He's, you can, he's you 22 can as well. He's young, he's got the ability, and with the stats he's got at the moment, his only way is up, really. Okay, interesting. All right, well, lovely. I mean, I say fingers crossed, mate, he'll he'll kind of come through, but I'm sure there's a, he's just one of a number of players we're looking at anyway. I mean, January's going to be here before long, and, you know, we're going to be talking about January transfer windows, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a hell of a lot more names popping up. And, and, and like I said, that, that, that kind of guy from, from Spurs, and... I don't know if you guys know anything about him. I mean, I've certainly never even heard of him until he actually came up um, in in the press this week. But uh, I must admit, I don't. It's, it's it's crazy to think this, but I think if Bournemouth are in for him, he'll go Bournemouth. Let's be honest, um, especially if there's a loan deal to be had. I can't see him choosing Stoke over Bournemouth right now. Um, maybe I'm being a bit too harsh on us, but I can't see it. No, I can't really. If you, the only person I can think who changed Bournemouth was Sam Surridge, but. You know, that's how it is. Are we still after John Suter? Is the question I'm asking, though. Are yeah. St- yeah. Yeah. That's we, one thing. We are. Yeah. Sorry. Um, right, I think the kind of rumor is I think they want about 750k for him. He was um, valued at 720, so it's only 30 grand over. <laughs> that looks like they got it relatively accurate then. But yeah, yeah. so I think the the rumors that we had, we, I think me and Dan discussed this uh, a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Dan? We were looking into it and looking at some of the ties and stuff that we had, and um, yeah, he's. 
I think he's got no interest in, in staying in Scotland. And understandably, you know, if he wants to go to the Championship, I think it was us again, Forrest. Um, they get so much of a mention on here, Forrest, because they're in for absolutely every Tom, Dick and Harry. Um, but, you know, they, it was them, Forrest, and I think Derby again. So, that, again, they're going to choose Stoke over those every, every, every day of the week. And yeah. obviously the Harry Suter link um, is always going to help us. And the fact that we are looking after Harry, um, again, his dad appreciates it. It, it. It's one of them. I think a Stoke can afford him, which they certainly can on wages, but if they can afford the transfer fee, he'll be a Stoke player in January. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And I think if you partner him along, Harry, that could also strengthen the back line, considering they're brothers. Could potentially strengthen it? Uh, It certainly could do. There's rave reviews about him, uh, and I know obviously he's doing really well for Scotland, but uh, I was having this discussion with my dad. Again, I'll I'll raise it up here in case anyone could think of it. Um, Have we ever had two brothers ever play for Stoke City at the same time? I think the answer is no, to be honest. Paul and, uh, Paul and Mike McCary played under Lou together. Did they really? I don't know if they were ever on the pitch at the same time, but they were, they were definitely in the matchday squads together. Ah, okay. I must admit, though, can you imagine the commentator's nightmare with that? McCary to McCary. <laughs> I think we had we had Laris and Chris Sigurdsson as well, but I don't think Chris ever played, did he? Um, no. But La- Laris and obviously Chris were there. Um, obviously, we had good John's sons. We had Toddy and Bjarni, but at different times. Yeah, I think Toddy came after Bjarni had left the club. I think mm. Todd, Toddy was one of those, um, one of the infamous two who the, the, the board um, dropped on Pulis and he, he wasn't very happy about. <laughs> he was one of them. <laughs> so, not only were the two Icelandic players that he'd never heard of and didn't want, one of them just so happened to be the son of the former manager. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it just so it shows I've done it that owners and whatnot should never ever buy players for, for managers, especially Tony Pulis. Big, big no no. Um, so yeah, anyway, but I'll, I'll be interested. I'd love to see that lineup, I really would. Uh, just see if I mean, again, the reviews are good, but you never know if people are just jumping on the, the whole suitor bandwagon because of how good his brother is. You, you, you don't know, but hopefully, that's a problem we get to see. Um, lovely. So I think that wraps up the news for this week. Um, so let's look ahead to QPR. Now, um, I'll be honest with you, there's, there's a number of stats here, and I wish I could say that they were really good stats, but they're really not. So um, it's almost seven years, and to be precise, 2,548 days uh, since, uh, basically gone, since we've last recorded a win in London. Now, um, Bro- Brucey Boner's points for who can tell me what game it was and what the result was that we last won in London. Was it Spurs? Maybe, you tell me. That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, 1-0 against Tottenham. Oh, any year. to when I used to listen to it on the radio. <laughs> you're probably struggling. All right, you're right. It is Spurs. Um, it was a Bojan-inspired 2-1 Premier League triumph over Spurs at Wattop Lane. So that was yeah. the last time we won there. Um, I vaguely remember that. I think that was on Bojan's... Um, actually, that was the Bojan-like run from halfway line goal, wasn't it? It was. If I remember rightly, yeah, that was a cracking goal, that was. And he almost got his legs snapped as he struck, struck the ball. I remember that one now, yeah. Um, so that was the last time we won. Uh, but since then, five different managers um, have been in the, the hot seat for Stoke, undertaking 32 league meetings. Um, not one of them has been able to lead us to victory. 
which is obviously a quite remarkable stat. Uh, we haven't managed to beat QPR in the last six fixtures uh, since obviously making a return to the championship, of course. Uh, the last win was in January 2015 when a certain Mr. Johnny Walters uh, had a brilliant hat-trick uh, to secure three point, points when we were actually in the Premier League. Uh, I remember that. It was a great goal. It was, the, it was the perfect hat-trick, wasn't it, Dan? I think. Left foot, right foot header. Yes. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, I remember that now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, just when you said that, that's, the, the, that's just pinged back into my memory. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Cracking game that was. We we were all over them. Um, but looking at, I love always like to look at this. So the home and away tables. So QPR are fifth in the league for the home form table. They've picked up 21 points from 10 games versus our 11 points that we picked up away in 10 games. So not great. Um, but like I said, you know, not encouraging stats. But how many times have we been here and said the complete opposite, where we're all over them? Um, and then we lose the game. Wouldn't this just be typical Stoke City to go and beat QPR on Sunday and get that monkey off our back around the whole London thing? Well, I've, I've just been doing a bit of digging on this London thing. I've shown myself up to be a very lack of geography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we've beaten Watford away this season. We've beaten Luton away this season. I'm like, I'm sure one of these can be, can be considered London. I don't think so, you can classify Luton as. Yes, well, it's like I've, South End. They have a London South End Airport, but it's not really. London, yeah, I've, I've googled is Lon- is Luton in London? The result: <laughs> Luton no. is thirty-four miles north of London. Oh my god! <laughs> so no, no. stretching now, aren't we? We're, we're trying to pull them into London just so we so, can say we've won. Next up, so Sheffield's going to be London. I moved up to Watford. <laughs> it says. <laughs> Watford is situated in Hertfordshire. It is no more in London than Liverpool, Manchester, or Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. So, unfortunately, yeah. those two victories, although, so in the, although geography are within, apparently it's 15 miles from London, so it's closer than Luton, but yes, um, unfortunately, neither can, can count as breaking the, uh, breaking the jinx. <laughs> No, unfortunately not. But I'm sure you'd agree with me. There's some pretty harrowing stats, aren't they? I mean, this can't go on forever. Surely not. I mean, I no. wouldn't say we're going to do it against QPR right now with our injury list, but we, we can't. And on keep... Sky. Oh, Christ. And on Sky. I missed that <laughs> off, didn't I? And on Sky. Well, you might as well just sack it off now, let's be honest. Do we ever win when we're on Sky? It's the West perfect Brown. storm. Yes. Actually, I couldn't, you know, one of you have a Google. When was the last time we won a match on Sky? West Brom. Is it just, oh, yes, of course we did. West Brom. Um, Which should have been yeah. probably 7 0. So it was the 1 0 against West Brom in, in early season, won it, which we absolutely annihilated them. Um, but I think our record, I would love to see the last 10 televised games. I bet we haven't <laughs> mustered more than a couple of wins. Couldn't have done. Um, but yeah, we're not we're not going to start this weekend, are we? Shall we put that on the? I'll tell you what, we'll put that on the list. Put it on the yeah, list, I, and I, next I, week. I'll, next week, that can be my homework for the week. I'll find out for you. There'll be some random site somewhere, Dad. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so just for kind of key highlights. Now, I haven't actually listened to the uh, O'Neill pod, uh, podcast. He hasn't. He isn't doing a podcast, <laughs> is he now? It's not, not, not another one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, please finger out. Uh, but O'Neill's um, interview anyway with, with Ange, I've not actually heard it this week, but um, I believe only um, Seema, I think, is the one who's likely to return from injury. And I think even then, 
he's going to be on the bench and he hasn't exactly been able to set the, the world on fire because he's constantly injured. So, again, Seema might return, but everyone else is going to be injured again. Um, the only player we've got coming back um, is Joe Allen. Now, some people will be say, oh, great. But, um, you know, me and you were discussing this, Andy, weren't we, before before the actual uh, recording? And mm-hmm. um, as much as Joe Allen has certainly not been at his best, uh, it's certainly got to be better having Joe in the team than not, than they're not in the team, I would have thought. Yeah, we as people say that he doesn't have creativity, I feel like we missed what he does have of that. But if you bring Allen back in the side, you can put time in back at wing back where he, he played centre mid, which is, I'd say, probably his third or fourth select position. He didn't seem natural playing in that centre mid spot. No, no, he's a, he's a, he's a young lad. He's going to want to do anything that the manager says. I'm sure, I'm sure even bloody, um, you know, Davis would play in centre mid if he was asked to, do you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of them. I think we, we probably do need Joe Allen back, uh, for the time being. Um, uh, he does need to pull his finger out without a shadow of a doubt. He needs to pull his finger out, but, um, yeah, it, it can't hurt to have him in, having him in that team. Like he said, it just means that we can get, you know, again, time back at wing back. Um, I mean, in terms of kind of the the kind of team selections, I'm going to come back to this guy, so I'll uh, I'll not be asking you for them just yet. But um, Graham McGarry, so a friend who, who kind of new to the podcast, so Graham McGarry is the uh, the reporter for Radio Stoke, and every week he gives his predictions. Now Graham started off the season really well. Uh, I think he had like three or four predictions in a in a row where he corrected the got the actual correct score. Um, and Graham has predicted a loss last week, and sadly, that's two correct predictions in a row. So he's returning to his early season form. Uh, let's have a quick listen to see what Graham's prediction is this week, and hopefully he doesn't make it a hat-trick of defeats. Hello there once again from me, Graham McGarry, as we now enter the final month of the year. Let's hope that Christmas could come early for you Potters fans who are on the prediction. What do you think? It's a tough, tough game. Can you bring your Sunday best to Loftus Road when you take on an informed Queen's Park Rangers side who came away earlier this week, of course, with the three points against Derby? Stoke at the moment are finding it tough. A lot of injuries, of course, have uh, ransacked Michael O'Neill's team selection. He's down to the bare bones. But can those players he picks pull off a surprise result and keep you in touch with those teams in the playoff? Well, once again... I'm going to disappoint you. I went for a Blackburn win last week, didn't quite get the scoreline right. But today and the rest of this week, leading up to Sunday, my prediction is not one of the best. Final score, Queen's Park Rangers 2, Stoke City 0. Graham, thank you very much for your prediction again. And yeah, a 2-0... Loss, unfortunately. Uh, now, normally I would give you stick, Graham. You know, I love to do that. But um, I'll be honest with you, mate. It's it's really, really hard to do. Uh, and, and guys, I mean, obviously QPR in the week. Um, decent results a- again, wasn't it? And I think some some pretty decent goals by the sounds of it as well. Yeah, Andre Gray scored two touches and then hit it on the full volley pretty much into the top corner to get a win. He is only on loan at QPR, which... Could be a good sign, could potentially go back to Watford, but if he keeps performing how he is, I don't see why QPR wouldn't try and make it a permanent. But it is one of those teams, QPR, like Stoke, don't have the same sort of level of team as they used to, but they still have pretty good players. They've got Charlie Austin as well, who you probably remembered in the Premier League. You've got, if you look as well at the team, they've got some good internationals, Lyndon Dykes in there. You've got that Geordie Device, I believe, used to play for Coventry. 
And you've also got Sam Field, who used to play for West Brom. And all those are relatively good players. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be easy. I, I know what you're on about now. I saw the Andre Gray. It was almost Peter Crouch-esque, wasn't it? Where he flicked it up for himself and uh, and kind of volleyed it into the top corner. And it's worthy of winning any game. But we could really do without players being on, on that type of form <laughs> going into the weekend. But Exactly, that's one thing I'd add to. Another interesting fact is that Joe Willock, his brother, plays for them as well, which could also be a player to watch out for. Okay, interesting, lovely. Um, and uh, Dan, let let's start with you, mate. Um, give me your kind of team kind of selection, if that's all right, and obviously what your score prediction is going to be. I'm hoping we're not all going to go for a hat trick of defeats here, but uh, Dan, <laughs> what do you think, mate? Well, let me just throw this to you, right? <laughs> if you want, you know, like we are charity FC. <laughs> yeah. Right, you you saying there about Charlie Austin? Now Charlie Austin always seems to do well against us. I feel I feel like he scores you know his fair share of goals against Stoke. Now I've seen something today uh, off the second tier podcaster's Twitter feed. It says the least clinical players in the championship, minimum thirty shots this season. Charlie Austin is fourth. Six percent of his shots have resulted in goals. So he's QPR. Yeah. Next week, we play Middlesbrough. Marcus Tavernier is number one on this list. 2% of shots result in a goal. After that, we play Coventry. Callum O'Hare of Coventry is second on this list. 3% chances end up in a goal. And after that, we play Barnsley. And Corley Woodrow is third on the list. With 5%. Oh, so, brilliant. So if, you, if, you're look, if you're a betting man and you're looking for players to score in the next four Stoke games, that I've just given you four who are more than likely at the back of the net because you know we love to see we love to give a striker a goal when he hasn't scored for a while or can't seem to find the net, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Dan, please send me that later on because genuinely, mate, <laughs> I am putting a bet on that. All four, fourfold. Yeah, yeah. I might uh, have to join four, four you with that. And a fourfold. <laughs> Um, and you know we, we could really make some money here. So yeah, the, the four least clinical players in the championship <laughs> will all score against Stoke <laughs> in the next two weeks. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm taking it then. Oh. then your prediction isn't a positive one. No, I, I, I think we're going to struggle, and I don't, and I don't think it's anybody's fault at the minute. But the situation we're in, um, the, the players are trying. Last week was. It was abysmal conditions that contributed to that game as much as anything. And I think, you know, they've had a week off. They'll come out, they'll give it their all, as I'm sure they always do. Um, but at the minute, we, you know, we, we, we've started off this season with a style and we haven't got the players to carry on doing that at the minute. So we're sort of stuck half and half. We've got half a team who can play the way that we were playing at the start of the season that was getting us results. But then you've also got a goalkeeper who's not really that comfortable passing it out. We've lost Harry Suter from the central defence, replaced him with Danny Bart, two very different players. Mm-hmm. James Chester, again, like I said, we were playing Wilmot and Ostergaard. Um, James Chester, again, he was, we were brought to the club to play that kind of role. But I think what showed last week with Chester when he took out um, the guy, I can't remember who it was, one of the back players just run at him. And he, he knew in his head that he hadn't got the legs to keep up with him and he, hadn't got, and he just wiped him out. And that's fair enough because he's taken one for the team there and he's understanding the situation he's in. 
But as a manager, I would be quite worried looking at that, thinking, yeah, he knows. It reminded me, you remember when Gary Neville came up against Matthew oh, yeah. Edmonton? And he just took him out. And I think Ferguson took him off to NT, and that was it. Then he never really played for Man United again. Because it was a part, it was one of those situations where it's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, did you see a scenario where we can actually just drop Chester out the, out the team entirely then? If Joe Allen's coming back, then obviously Wilmot can go alongside Ostergaard and, and Bart, can't he? Yeah, yeah I, I can't see why not. Um, it was just weird. Though, he got, I don't know why he got the captain's armband last week. Why? Why did Danny Bart not? Why was Danny Bart not captain? I tell you what, mate, he's got he's got some pictures somewhere. There's, 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 <laughs> so, there's something going on. Um, <laughs> unless, unless the manager was just trying to, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's less low on confidence, and the manager was yeah. just trying to give him a bit of a boost. Yeah, probably what it is, mate. Because um, he, he's certainly not full of confidence, is he? Let's be honest. And yeah, understandably, he's not. He's not going to be. But I'm sure again, he's one of them players where he is trying his best. He's just. It's just best days are behind him, unfortunately. I think that's probably what it is, because uh, there's no doubt he's been a good player in the past for, for various clubs. So, no, that's fair enough. Um, so, what's your score prediction, mate? Um, I'm not going to go with a defeat. I think we will... I don't think we're going to end the London jinx either. I think we're going to... A one-all draw. Nice, we'll, OK. Uh, yeah, I think they, they, they'll take the lead, and I think we'll put a bit of pressure on lately, like we have done late on in games. I know we've left it a bit late sometimes. But, I mean, we nearly got an equaliser at the death, didn't we, last week with Danny Bart. Um, but I think, yeah, same sort of tactics towards the end on Sunday. I think we'll get a goal and just, just get a point. It'll just it'll be a nice point, nice late, late equaliser just to get the spirits up a bit. Yeah, mate, I'll take a point right now. Uh, and Andy, um, your team and prediction, mate, for the weekend? Um, similar to how Dan said, um, I would take Chester out the side, I would have replaced him with Ostergaard. I like it when Ostergaard and Wilmot play together. They're both young and I feel like they sort of have the same idea on how they want to play. They both want to attack with it. Uh, Bart stays in. Timon and Smith at wing-backs. Typical Stoke back line, I'd say. I'd stick with Sawyers and Vrancic. As much as stick as Sawyers gets, he's a player who when he has his moments, he can produce magic. I remember the goal he scored against Millwall, I think it was, and even against Brentford. When he has the line on sight on goal, he will shoot when he has when he wants to anyway. And he can score some pretty good goals, bring Allen back in the side. I wouldn't start Tyrese Campbell though. And some people okay. might some people might go at me, but I don't think he's fully match fit, as like I've said. I've bring Fletcher back into the side and then Fletcher, when he comes on. He does what he does from the start of the game. He can hold up the play for players to make runs. So you're um, going to want Cam- uh, not Campbell. You're going to want Brown up there with him, I assume. Brown then. and Fletcher. When I've seen those two play, when Campbell's been out this season, they've been pretty, pretty good at top. They've created some good goals. I remember as much as we don't want to talk about the Cardiff game, those three goals that we scored were mainly made from Brown and Chester. They got all three goals, and. Prediction-wise, I'm going with Dan again, a 1-1. I feel like it'll be a late on that we'll get a goal back. It's it's a saying that we have. It's a typical Stoke thing to do. Yeah, OK, fair enough. And I mean, I've kind of already kind of half given away my team, to be honest. And I'm going to go with the base of what you've said there, Andy. Exactly the team, team there, yeah. mate. But um, for, for a prediction, um, we're not going to make it a hat-trick. Well, you kind of have with, with obviously, uh, Graham's prediction. And Dan, don't give me stick here now, right? I genuinely had us to lose 2-0 before I'd even 
heard Graham's audio right. So <laughs> for the second week in a row, I'm going with Graham here, right? But I had genuinely had this down as a 2-0 loss. So, um, yeah, I think basically Graham and, and me, we're, we're just, just quality pundits, really, mate, and uh, and kind of, you know, radio people. So I think, we, you know, we just stick together these days, and that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I genuinely am joking here. Friend who's listening to the first time, I'm not that cocky. I'm just, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, in terms of the, the, the polls, so again, we always love a good poll, as everyone knows who listens to the show. So uh, result for Sunday. Um, so again, Twitter and Facebook head to head. Twitter, 29% of you think that a Stoke will win, 13% of you think a draw, and 58% have gone for QPR. Uh, quite resounding uh, what you think there. Uh, but interestingly, um, the Facebook group has gone 55% uh, Stoke win, 18% have gone a draw, and 26% have gone to QPR. So um, complete on its head uh, between Twitter and Facebook, which is which is interesting. Does that mean the more miserable people are on Twitter and the you know the more Joyful, happy people are on Facebook. <laughs> I'm not, not quite <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, we'll certainly find out over the weekend who's right. But um, yeah, so um, certainly uh, very, very interesting. There's, again, there's there was a few comments on, on, online which I uh, which I picked out. But uh, again, I think it was it was very much one of them games where I think everyone was saying that Luke, if, if Chester's dropped for uh, you know for kind of Wilmot, then I think we'll have a, a better chance. So. Um, perfect. And then just before we go on to the quiz, and I would say a bit of a warning, if uh, both Dan and uh, Andy, if you can both make sure you've got pen and paper together, we're going to slightly change the format of this week's quiz. Uh, the, the subject matter will remind everyone of in a minute, but you're going to need pen and paper. So anyway, before we get into that, uh, next set of games, as Dan, you've kind of already alluded to, mate, we've got Middlesbrough at home, Coventry away, Barnsley away, Derby at home. So um, I'm going to start with you, Andy, uh, just while Dan's no doubt scrounging for paper. Um, in terms of those four games, mate, uh, obviously in terms of, let's, let's, let's go let's go five, actually. Let's go for the, the QPR game as well. So QPR, Middlesbrough, Coventry, Barnsley and Derby. How many points do you think we're going to get out of that? Seven or eight. Seven or eight. Okay, yeah. where, where are your wins coming from then? I'd say we, we played Derby already. Derby aren't in the best of form still. They have improved considering they've had how many points deducted this season? 21? Yeah. And they're on zero. But I feel like considering we've played we've played Barnsley and Derby already, we haven't played Coventry and Middlesbrough yet, we can sort of learn from the mistakes that we did against those two, te- two teams and that's what we sometimes do towards the second games that we play against teams. Um, as much as I've said Derby, every time I've seen Stoke play Derby, we have lost. I did go to that 4 0 defeat we had 2019. Ouch. Um, that was the first Stoke away game I went on, and I didn't want to go on one for another year. <laughs> oh, geez, it was that yeah, bad. It was that bad. Um, but Middlesbrough, they're not in the best of forms. Um, James Tavernier is probably one of their only players to watch out for. I feel like we could win against Middlesbrough, um, pick up a draw against Coventry. I know that's optimistic, but no. I feel like when it's a team which are doing well, this is one thing I've noticed with Stoke. When it's a team not doing the best, we mostly go a bit too relaxed and they get an early one. They can even get two. For example, look at Cardiff. We just switched off and 3 3. Yeah. And obviously, going away to Coventry is never yeah. going to be an easy game. It's yeah. never going to be an easy game, but I feel like we could pull something out of the hat. And then Barnsley away. Takes me back to when Michael O'Neill first came in charge. 
he's got a good record at Barnsley away. And then Derby's probably going to be a draw. So, like I've said, seven or eight points from those games. Lovely. Thank you. Um, Dan, thoughts, mate? Agree, disagree? Uh, yeah, I think we'll get a point at the weekend, as I've said. I think we'll get uh, three points against Middlesbrough, points against Coventry, and then we'll have a nice Christmas and get back-to-back wins, Barnsley and Derby, just to uh, help with the January recruitment when we're trying to bring players in. Good, good. And are you uh, you going the Middlesbrough home game? I will be there, yes. Good, good. So I'm basically, yeah, I'll, I'll, well, it's my birthday on the 10th, just so you know, Dan. <clears throat> so uh, I might, uh, might come along to that game, mate, and say hello on, I think it's the 11th, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, yeah. That's not your birthday, that's the 11th. <laughs> well, it's all right, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll come and see you at half time, just in case you know, want to, <laughs> want to buy me an o- o- overpriced bottle of pop. That's, that's fine, I'll take that. I'll um, bring one with me from the I shop. I'll get you an overpriced oat cake if you want. <laughs> oh, yes, please. And an overpriced uh, rights pie as well. Um, I'll tell you what, again, uh, just, just to point out, I've said this before, um, the Supporters Council, we had the most amazing oat cakes that you've ever had. I really wish they served them in the actual um, kind of you know, the, the terraces. I really do. Like smoky bacon, sausage, cheese, the most incredible oat cakes you've ever had. So um, if ever anyone wants to actually apply for the Supporters Council next season, do so. Just so you can have the oat cakes, honestly, just just incredible. Um, but anyway, that's uh, kind of everything for this week. Other than a very very important part of the section uh, of this pod. So um, just as a reminder, in case you kind of uh, missed who I said the actual uh, that's what quiz was going to be about, uh, here's a quick reminder of who it's going to be. Okay, yeah, we never ever get sold, um, does it, Dan and, and Andy, in terms of the uh, that kind of audio. I love it, and I, I must admit, the amount of times I've just had that stored in my phone and listened to it, it's great. But anyway, yes, so the one and only Peter Thorne. So um, the, the kind of, normally it'd just be Dan answering these questions, but as soon as we have, obviously, a guest, I thought we'll have a bit of a head-to-head. Now, um, Dan has a slight advantage here in the fact that Dan's old, um, Andy, you're quite young, and I know you've not really seen much Peter Thorne, mate. But um, so basically, this is your chance to show Dan up, and I'm really hoping you do it, mate. So uh, there's <laughs> going to be uh, there's going to be ten questions. You're both going to get ten seconds. Now let me get my uh, little uh, kind of timer out because I'm not allowing any cheating going on here. Um, so you've got ten seconds. You're going to both going to write down uh, your your answer. You can type it out. I don't care what you do, but uh, you're going to have 10 seconds. And then when it's up, I'm going to ask you for your answers. And then I'm going to be adding up who's got uh, what points, basically. So let me know when you are both ready. And uh, we'll go from there. Ready. Ready when you are. Okay, lovely. 
Um, we need some uh, very suspenseful music coming over here, Countdown Dan. music. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about this, haven't we? Mastermind music, Dan. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we can get some of this playing over the top. I'll, I'll leave that to you. But, um, okay, so question one. Where did Peter Thorne start his career? Ten seconds. If you don't know, just take a guess. Five. I've four, got ready. Two, one. Okay. Uh, Dan, answer please. Blackburn Rovers. I went for Norwich because that's where I've heard him play before. Okay, it was Blackburn. Uh, well done, Dan. Uh, yeah, t- a tough one that was, Annie, in fairness, mate. Um, I would have had to look that one up, to be quite frank with you, so don't w- worry about that one. Uh, so, Dan, you're, you're 1-0 up to the he- head there, mate. Well done. Um, question two. Who did Stoke sign Peter Thorne from? Tricky this. Okay, time's up. Uh, Andy, you first. Writing down random clubs, but keeping it up north, I'm going for Bradford. Okay, so you went for Bradford. Dan? I'm going for Swindon. You sure? Yeah. Correct, it is Swindon. Come on, you can still do this, Andy. I'll try my best. <laughs> okay, it is a bit is... unfair for a play. <laughs> get to Woods next time. It is, mate. But th- see, these ones he could, he could get now, so don't you worry. Uh, okay, question three. How many appearances did Thorne collect throughout his entire Stoke career? Okay, uh, Dan. I'd say 170. Okay, Andy. I've gone very optimistic at 476. Oh no, unfortunately not, mate. Not quite that many. I wish it was. Uh, d- just to clarify, that was 476. Is that right? Yeah. Um. So neither of you got that right. It was actually 189. So, uh, Dan, you were slightly the closest, but you do not get a point for that. <laughs> Sorry. Um Stop okay. quiz master. I know, yeah. Uh question four. How many goals did score uh, did score Thorn? <laughs> How many goals did Thorn score for Stoke? Now if you're looking on Google, if you are cheating, uh there are about two or three different answers for this, but I actually have the correct answer. So it'll be interesting think, to see who gets the dodgy ones. I think I know this one. Okay, you know, so you know, um I'm gonna stuff, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm sure you would. I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm going to go for Andy. You first, mate. How many goals would you say? Well, I'm thinking striker. He was probably there for about five years. 62. 62. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dan? I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it was 80. Okay, you can get off Google now. Well well done, uh, Dan. Is 80. Bang yeah. on 80. I've just uh, got to think that he's the top scorer in my time watching Stoke. So I've always had that figure, you know, like Ricardo Fuller got to 50, Johnny Walters got to 50, I'd crouch, and it was always, I've always had that 80 figure as like, right, I wonder if anyone will ever get to this, you know, score more than Thorne does whilst I've been watching them. Fair enough, no problem. Um, and then uh, question five, so this is how many career goals has he accrued in total for every club? Three, two, one. 
Okay, Dan. Now this is a guess. Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think he scored many goals other than he's. I don't think he was pro- as, as prolific elsewhere as he was with Stoke. So I'm going to say one four six. Okay, a complete guess. Andy. One hundred eighty-five. Both of you not a million miles away. I think you're actually closer there, to be honest, Andy. Um, so uh, it was 170. Oh. Yeah, close, mate. Um, I think he actually scored quite a few goals for Cardiff um, as well, actually, uh, when he went there in the end, if I remember rightly. Um, so, uh, okay, next one. Uh, so we have um, the value. So how much did Stoke pay for him? I've got to think of value back then now. Mm. And it was so cheap in, in, in hindsight. Okay, three, what? two, I'll give one. you a clue, Andy. Or not a clue, but just a ballpark figure. At the time when we signed him, Kyle Lightbourne was signed the year after for half a million, and that was our record fee at the time. Okay. So it's got to be less than that. So you just think you know this one, Dan? Yeah, I think it's 250k. Oh, interesting. I'm going to have to have a look at my stats here then. Okay, Andy, what, what did you get? 425,000. Now, we have to go with my um, my figures here. That's fine. Um, what did you uh, go for? Sorry, Dan. I thought it was 250. 250. I might be wrong. Just... Hmm, okay, well, basically, yeah, you get this uh, one, Andy. So uh, it was actually reported at 475 to 500,000. So I was going to give you a bit of leeway there. So, uh, mate, yeah, 470k. Uh, Andy, you got that one, mate. I'm giving you that. Okay. Uh, well done. Uh, but yeah, 250,000 sounds a, a ridiculously low, actually. Uh, but I, I'm going to check this. I mean, again, my stats uh, do count, but I, I want to know actually now. Uh, so, anyway, uh, question seven How many did he score for us in his first season? Also, also say is he had a very good first season. Three, two, one. Okay, uh, Dan, you go first this time. Right. So we, unfortunately, we signed him. Then we have to sell Mike Sheeran. So I think we got mm-hmm. it was the first season at the Brit, and we got relegated. Correct. But I think there was him and Kavanaugh were like the only two half decent players that we had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amongst yeah. Them ever an ever-changing side every week of, like, trialists and new signings and loanies and all sorts. Um, so, I don't think we're actually terrible in the first half of the season, but the second half we were shagged. Um, I'm going to say, definitely got double figures, I'm going to say 12. Okay. Andy? I've got a bit more optimistic. I've got 21. Ooh. Okay. Um, neither of you got that one, unfortunately, but Dan, you were the closest, mate. It was 16. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not bad in a relegated side. That (laughs) no, I'm certainly up for a first season as well, mate. That that's I thought was pretty impressive. Okay, um, and this one that I'm sure you remember very well, but I wonder if you remember the goals. So Gillingham knocked us out out in the playoffs uh, during that 1999-2000 season. But how many goals did Thorne get that season? Okay, Andy, you first. Well, I've considered it was 16. I'm going to go around about 13. 1-3? 1-3. 1-3. 
Dan? I think he got 30 that year because I'm sure I think we, he got four in the first game in March against Chesterfield and he went on a ridiculous run. I think he scored at-trick against Bristol Rovers away. I'm sure he got another at-trick somewhere else and he was literally scoring like every week for about, I think he got something like 20 odd goals in about 15 games and then well, yeah. I think, I'm sure he, I'm sure he got 30, hit 30 right at the end of the season. Mate, you uh, certainly are Mr. Stato. Yeah, well done. 30 is bang on correct. So not bad <laughs> returns. This is why for three me. Zero, shouldn't I? Should have said three zero, mate. Yeah, uh, but don't don't worry. Again, some of these are tough. I mean, a previous previous weeks, basically, mate. Uh, I've made this um, far too easy. Uh, so uh, I always have to get some difficult ones in there. So don't yeah. worry. Right. Um, so question nine. Uh, Peter Thorne is on Stoke City's all time top goal scorer list with eighty goals. But where is he on that list? So what position in that top 20 list, where does he sit? Oh, interesting That's one. That's a good one. Mm. I'm going to give you a little bit more time to have a think about this. Another, another extra five seconds. Okay. So, Andy, go with you, mate. What are we thinking? Seventh. Dan? Yeah, I mean, John Ritchie's top, isn't he, with like 176, 178? So, just, I think we've I've I've just said that, as far as I'm aware, he's the top, easily the top scorer in my, you know, Sporting Stoke, which is like 25 years. So, it can't be, you know, how many players from before that have hit more than 80 goals? So, I, I, I don't think you're far wrong with seventh. I'm going to say, I'm going to say eighth. Oh, okay. You're both wrong. Um, it's 12th. Oh, so we had some good goal scorers yeah. back in the past. Exactly. Right. So this is <laughs> question 10 now, and I'm going to give you 20 seconds to think about this. Now, if you don't know concrete, just think of any players from history you might be able to call on. Um, so question 10 and final one. Name me three players who will be above him on that list. I'll just give you one. Uh... Okay. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Andy? I know two for a fact one from my granddad and one from my dad. One's Jimmy Greenhoff and the other's John Ritchie, who's top scorer of Stoke. Oh, we're taking. Uh, didn't Dan, didn't Dan, Dan, you said that one, didn't you? Yeah, John Ritchie. I uh, said so John yeah. Ritchie. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, Andy. I need the third one from you, mate. Sorry, third my one. bad. <sighs> Peter Dobbin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All three of them are correct. Dan, can I have uh, three from uh, you? You've had Ritchie, so I'll give you that one. But. I, don't, I think Freddie Steele's next on the list, but I'm stuck for a third one other than just stealing ones that were just stayed there. Uh, yeah, I probably I probably would have chucked Green off in there, but obviously it's already gone, so I'm not going to say that one. Uh, I'll say Steele. And uh, Matthews. Matthews played quite a lot, didn't he, on the wing in there? Not, I'm sure he was more provided than a scorer, but he might, he might sneak in there. 
Okay, well, uh, I say you got two out of that one, mate. Matthews doesn't appear on the list. Um, Andy, you got three. Yeah, with Greenoff, Richie and Dobbin. Uh, Very, very good. So a quick look at who got the most. I think it was just you down but i think andy definitely saved some face with that last one so well done mate um so a quick luke so we had one two three four you got four overall out of ten which honestly andy mate for someone who hasn't really watched much of peter thorne's career pretty decent effort that was from my dad and my granddad really (laughs) there you go mate Uh, it's it's always good to listen to your parents um, so, uh, so yeah, Dan, you got have a look three, four, five. You got six. You didn't actually do that well. Oh, so, right. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to improve. You need to prove what you're doing. Um, anyway, just for anyone who was is, is, is interested, John Ritchie top with 176. Freddie Steele second with 159. Frank Bowyer third with 149. Fourth was Charlie Wilson 120. Fifth was Johnny King at 113. Sixth was Harry Oscroft with 107. Seven was J- Jimmy Greenoff, 103. Tommy Sale was also kind of kind of technically joint seventh with 103. Uh, Harry Davis was 101. Peter Dobbin, 95. Joe Schofield, 92. And the final one above Peter Thorne was William Maxwell with 85. So we've actually got a lot of all-time top goal scorers. So, yeah, um, really good effort, guys, to be honest. That was, that was quite tricky now thinking about it. So, uh, yeah, obviously really, really well done, Dan. You uh, not, not a bad effort, mate, for you, but I've, I've seen better. Thank you. <laughs> so, you don't deserve, back, you don't deserve this, Steve. Backhanded compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate, you don't deserve it. But um, <laughs> lovely. Well, that kind of wraps everything up. So, thank you uh, very, very much indeed, obviously, for joining us, Andy. Uh, been really, really good listening uh, been a to pleasure. Your, your thoughts, mate. And thank you for coming. Um, Dan, it, I would say it's a pleasure, mate, but it never is. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I will see uh, yourself next uh, next week. As always, uh, the pods are available on all the big kind of podcast uh, streaming sites uh, and always released at 7 a.m. on a Friday. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you all next week. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.